Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Y'all glad to be here? Well, good. I am too. Dang. There's as many in the balcony as there are downstairs. That's good. That's good. All right. So if you haven't been with us the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about prayer. Prayer. And I certainly don't know everything there is to know, nor will I ever know everything there is to know until I make it to heaven myself. But I've been sharing what I do know, what I've learned, what the Holy Spirit's shown me. And t- uh, prayer is a, a scary thing for a lot of people. And I was thinking about it this week. Why is it, why is it scary? Well, I've, I've been in some situations before where it was just kind of awkward and kind of strange. And just recently, within the past year or two, um, I went to one men's group meeting, and there's probably about 25, 30 men. I don't know hardly anybody there. And at the end of it, the leader said, okay, y'all stand up and hold hands. Well, I didn't want to hold these dudes' hands. I mean, I like to hold my wife's hand. I don't want to hold some dude's hand, especially some strange dude I don't even know. I'm just being real. Well, I don't hold his hand. And so it seemed like I went to this meeting several weeks, and it seemed like every time, by the time we'd lock hands, somebody had something to say. Before they prayed, and somebody's got to talk about five minutes, and I'm sitting here holding some sweaty dude's hand for like five minutes. So after about week four, they said, stand up and hold hands. I said, hey, listen, if somebody in here has got something to say, say it now before we hold hands. Y'all always want to wait till we hold hands, then start talking. And I said, you know, let's just... Let's let's like put our arms around each other's shoulders. That'd be even. That's, let's just lock. Let's, so, and I went to another group meeting with some people, and I didn't know any of them. And they said, "Let's hold hands, and we're going to pray, and we're going to start here. We're going to go around the circle, and we're all standing there holding hands. And when you get finished praying, you just give them a good squeeze. That means you're done. And the next guy's turn. Has anybody ever got to do that fun stuff? Nobody." Some of you, yeah. So you're in a circle, and there's always some dude in a circle that can pray like nobody's business. He's got these awesome, eloquent speech. He can do all the King James and all that. And as we're going around the circle, and it gets around to you, you're like, I mean, I got nothing. They've already prayed everything I know. So, you know, squeeze and squeeze. You, know, you just squeeze, squeeze. You just skip right on by. But it's not supposed to be awkward, and it's not supposed to be weird. It's supposed to be, uh, well, it's just supposed to be natural. It should be a natural part of your daily routine, what you do. Like I said last week, just like getting up and brushing your teeth, it's just something you do, and prayer is just something you do. And I, I think people struggle with it. It's, it's still, uh, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. I don't have to... There's a lot of things you don't have to discipline yourself to do. You just Sometimes you had a bad day. Sometimes you didn't sleep well at night. And, you know, honestly, let's just be real. You just don't feel like it. You do it. There's a lot of things in life you don't feel like doing. Get up and go to work Monday morning. Sometimes you don't feel like it. But guess what? You need to get on up and go because the bills are still coming whether you feel like it or not. And it's just a discipline you need to get into. Amen? So what we're looking at today is this. And let me say this. You know, as a pastor of the church, it's uh, 
the shepherd and, and, and the shepherd leads the sheep and you know what he does? He carries them from hillside to hillside to hillside to hillside. We're going to go over here and munch on this grass for a while. We're going to feed and then we're going to move over here to some fresh grass. And I'm trying to keep us moving and being sensitive to the, the Holy Spirit and what He wants and just keep us moving from hillside to hillside and as my grandma would say, gobbling, gobbling up some grass. That's what she says. Well, we're going to gobble up for lunch. But to keep the sheep moving, gobbling up God's Word. Amen? So anyway, we're moving from hillside to hillside right here with this uh, talking about prayer and learning. And so we're going to look at Moses today. What God showed Moses and what He told Moses to do and how Moses established it and how we can apply that to our lives. So uh, the children, uh, they had about a two-week journey. Ahead of them into the promised land, that two weeks turned into 40 years, as most everybody knows, right? They got out to the desert and got out wandering around, but when they did get to the promised land, they were going to build a temple. And that's where God was going to dwell inside that building, because in the Old Testament, He wrote the law on tablets, and He dwelt in buildings. But in the New Testament, which is what we live in right now under the New Covenant, He writes the law in our hearts, and He dwells inside of us. We are the temple. Our bodies are the temple. In fact, First Corinthians, the third chapter, the sixteenth verse says that we are the temple and that God dwells in our midst. First Corinthians, third chapter, the sixteenth verse. That's what it tells us. But as they're they're wandering around in the desert, you know, God's the the, the cloud by day and He's the fire by night, and He would move. And when He moved, they had to move. So. There's a tabernacle and there's a temple. The temple is a permanent structure and that's where God was going to dwell in the promised land. But as they're wandering around the desert, as they're uh, traveling, you have a, a tabernacle, tabernacle. That's a temporary. That's a temporary place. And so they would set this tabernacle up and um, when God would move, they'd break it all down and move with Him. And when He stopped, they'd set this tabernacle up. Y'all follow me? So we're going to talk about the tabernacle, which is basically a tent with no roof. It's not a wooden fence. If you look up a picture of it, it looks like a fence, a big giant fence, rectangular shape. But it's not made of wood. It's made of like tent material with no roof over it. And inside of it are several different things. We're going to talk about it. And there's a smaller tent on the inside, which is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that's where God dwelled. That's where you're heading to. That's where you want to get to in the presence of God face to face. So anyway, picking up right there. In Exodus, the 25th chapter, the 8th verse. It says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all that's furnishing, just so you shall make it. So God's giving him instructions right here. This is what I want you to do. I want you to build this tabernacle. I want you to set it up just like I'm telling you and furnish it exactly like I'm telling you. And in Exodus, the 33rd chapter, the 11th verse, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, when you spend time praying and you're speaking to the Lord and you're talking to the Lord, and you hear Him speak back to you. He shows up in your life. And He speaks to you. And you anymore. It's not something, oh God, we got to go pray. It's, man, I want to go pray. You know why? Because I like this right here. This face-to-face and speaking to me like I'm His friend. Because we are a friend of God. Amen? 
Amen. So, I'm reminded of this, uh, of this temple and this um, tabernacle. And this is an old covenant. And like I said, God wrote the, His law on their heart on tablets and He dwelt in temples. But now He writes it on our hearts and dwells in us. And you remember when Jesus is uh, going up the mountain, Elijah's there and, and, and uh, Moses is there. And, um, and, and Peter, I think it's Matthew 17th chapter, and he says, Let me build a tabernacle, one for each of you. And then God interrupts him and says, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Exclamation point. That means he got loud. That means he shut him up and quieted him down saying, That's the way you used to enter my presence. That's the way you used to do it. You used to have to go through these these steps just like I told Moses, but now there's something different coming. It's a new covenant. He says, listen to my son, because in my son I'm well pleased. In other words, shut up. It's not about doing the work. It's not about following all these steps. There's just one step, and his name is Jesus. You think about Mary and Martha. Martha's in there in the kitchen cooking, slaving, uh, trying to do all these things to try to get it just right for Jesus. Mary's not in there helping her at all. Mary's just right there at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word he says. And Martha comes out, and she's like... Jesus, Mary's not even helping me. And he said, hey, she's chosen the only thing that's needed. She's chosen the good thing and it's found right here at my feet. No, we're just not about the working. It's not about the slaving. It's just about right here. Y'all with me? So, the first thing is this outer court. This outer court. So you enter into this outer court, which I said like it's like a big, giant, rectangular fence. You go through the gate and you enter into this outer court. And the outer court is um, the first stop in the outer court. And you can write this down. Thanks and gratitude. Thanks and gratitude. That's the first thing they did when they entered into this outer court is they started thanking God for everything He had done for them, everything He was currently doing. It's just a... Attitude of gratitude. You know, he he'd already, if he don't do anything else, you've already done enough. In Psalms, the 100th chapter, the 4th verse, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's what it's talking about. They entered into the gate, into the outer courts with thanksgiving, into his courts, that's the outer court, with praise. Be thankful to him and bless him. That's how you should start off your prayer. That's how I start off my prayer. I told you all that last week. The very first thing is just being thankful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything I've got. Thank you. Most importantly, I'm not going to hell. That my soul is not going to hell. That I've, been, I've been redeemed. I've been set free. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my wife, my husband, my children that you got. Whatever He's given you is better than what you deserve. The worst thing that could ever happen to you in your entire life, if you could imagine the worst thing that could happen to you, better than you deserve. Because the worst thing that could ever happen to you on this earth is way better than hell. And hell is what we all deserve because we've all sinned and come up short. short. We've fallen short. Hell is what we deserve. So the worst things better than you deserve. People say, hey, how you doing? Better than I deserve. You got a broke arm. That's better than I deserve. That old raggedy car you're driving is a pile of junk and it's better than I deserve and I'm thankful for it. I, was, I, I said, thank you, Jesus, this morning. You know why? Because I put my own deodorant on. That was a... That's progress. See, this arm don't want to go that far. 
right now. But it's getting further. I get up there this morning, I put my deodorant on, and I set the deodorant, and I said, thank you, Jesus. I did. <laughs> I was pretty excited. It's progress. Next thing you know, I'll be doing 50 push-ups. But enter into, his, enter into it, so whenever you pick your prayer time, first thing in the morning, middle of the day, at night, all three. Um, thank Thanks, Thanksgiving, thank you, thank you. Have an attitude of gratitude and just being thankful for all that you've done for me. Then they would, uh, they would enter into the next step of this process was the brazen altar. The brazen altar. The brazen altar's always got a fire going. There's always an animal on it being cooked. There's an animal on it. There's dead animals and there's blood at the brazen altar. You know why? Because you couldn't go any further than this without something dying. Blood had to be shed. Blood had to be spilled. And it is spilled right here on this brazen altar. Dead animals, blood shed. So what does that mean for us? We don't go out and kill animals anymore. Thank you, Jesus. But you know what? What that means for us is the cross. The cross. An animal wasn't put on the cross, but our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was put on the cross. See, the blood of animals used to be spilled, and that was a swap in the credit card. Payment had to be made, and the real payment came by the way of Jesus Christ. And His blood all the time. So when you, the brazen altar for us is just remembering the cross. So we're just, thank you, Lord, for everything you've given us. Then you remember the cross. Because that's how you can come into the presence of God in prayer, boldly and uh, with confidence, is because of the cross. If it hadn't been for the cross, you couldn't go into the presence of God. So you just remember the cross and what He's done for you. I mean, just close your eyes and imagine, picture Jesus hanging on the cross, picture Him at the whipping post, picture everything He went for. Start, you can start visualizing it in your mind and He's doing it because for you, for me, because for, He loved us. And just remember the cross. Romans, the fifth chapter, the sixth verse says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You know what? In some translation... It says, uh, "From we were still helpless, Christ died for us. And we were helpless. We were absolutely, completely helpless. We were in a prison of sin and we had absolutely no way out. That was our identity as sinners. But then Jesus Christ came while we were helpless and made a way for us. Amen? So you think about the, the prophecy that was prophesied before Jesus ever went to the cross. Isaiah says... Right here in the 53rd chapter, the 5th verse. Thousands of years before. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. You remember when Jesus goes to the cross, you, you can think about it. He was whipped, and they put a crown of thorns on his head, then they nailed his hands and feet to a cross, and they rammed a spear up into his heart. That's what it, this right here, this is what it's talking about. But he was wounded for our transgressions. And some other translation says pierced. He was pierced for our sins. In other words, it's your, your hands are dirty. 
Your hands have sinned. They've made some mistakes. They've been up and touched some things and been a part of some things they shouldn't have been of. Those hands were pierced for you. Your feet, you can't get your feet have walked and carried you into some places you shouldn't have gone to. You've gone too far. You've crossed the line. You've missed the mark. You've sinned. God doesn't grade on the curve. The Ten Commandments, you break one, you break them all. It's not A, B, C, D, or F. You break one, it's an F. Amen and live without sin other than Jesus Christ. But guess what? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. Those nails were put through there. You know why? For our transgressions, for our sins. This uh, bruise for our iniquities. Iniquity is in your heart. It's not a sin you do with your hand. It's one in your heart. It's the evil that's in your heart. The bad stuff that's in your heart. The stuff that nobody else even knows about that's hidden off deep in your heart. The bad stuff. He had a spear run up in his heart. His heart was, was punctured, was, was crushed, was bruised for our iniquities. An iniquity and a transgression or iniquity and a sin is two different things. You can sin in your heart without doing it with your hand. You can kill somebody with your heart. In your heart. Y'all following me? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. That's the crown of thorns. You think about those thorns. They're huge, two inches long, and they made a crown, and they jammed them down into his head. Anxiety and stress and worry and fear and doubt and all the emotions that come along with it, where do they start? Right between your ears, right in your head. You think about it. You think about it. You dwell on it. And there's not any peace. And the, the thorns also represent, you know, the curse. And that's part of the curse. And it's put on his head. He said, I'm going to trade out with you. I'm going to take all this off of you and I'm going to give you peace. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. That's good news. And by his stripes, we were healed. He was whipped. He was beaten. Disease. You could say, dis-ease. Diseased. Anything that is diseasing. In other words, is it a natural healing in your body? Absolutely. But it's a lot bigger than that. He came to heal your marriage. He came to heal relationships. He came to heal that checkbook for you. He came to heal everything from the top of your head, the soles of your feet, everything your hands touch and everywhere your feet have carried you. He came for complete and total healing and restoration. Amen. Amen. So we come in with the attitude of, of thanksgiving. We're thanking Him and we're, we're grateful for what He's done to us. Then we remember the cross. We remember uh, the blood that was shed for you and I so we can go to heaven. Then the next thing is the laver. The laver. And it's actually a bowl made of mirrors. It's reflected. You're looking down through this clear, crystal clear water and it's a mirror and, you, and you're seeing a reflection of yourself. You're seeing a reflection of yourself, you know, like putting a mirror in front of your face and you can see all your flaws, all your shortcomings. And that's where you wash. And they would wash in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and the 22nd verse. I just jumped in right here. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on this new man, which was created according to God, 
in true righteousness and holiness. We're washing off the old guy, this dirty man. We're washing him all, all off and we're putting on this clean man. In other words, I'm offering every part of my body and every part of my life to God. I'm giving you every bit of it. And we're going to start with the head. So if you're going to give him your head, Lord, I'm going to give you my head. I, I, I'm going to pray this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm praying that these thoughts that enter my mind, you know what? I'm praying for a roadblock. I don't want to think this or about that. I only want to think about good things. I want to think about the promises that are in your word and all the promises that apply to me. I want to uh, think on things that are going to be edifying. And they're going to be uplifting. And they're going to bring joy and bring peace into my life. I want to think about those things. So I'm going to give you my head today. My brain, my mind, everything right here. It's all yours. These eyes, they're yours. Lord, help me not to look on anything I don't need to be looking on. Lusting that. But only looking on good things. My ears, Lord Jesus. I don't want to hear anything come in these, these ears. These ears are yours. I just want to hear the good things. In other words, you can, you can decide what you want to hear. You ever heard somebody say, he hears what he wants to hear? You know the guy that's hard of hearing and he don't hear you when you tell him to get to work? But he hears you when you say, it's payday. Or I just, You know what I'm saying. Here's what he wants to hear. I think my papa heard what he wanted to hear sometimes. Papa, can I have some lunch money? He just, he would he'd look at you. Did you say something? Papa, you may bring you some lunch? Sure. <laughs> my eyes, my ears, this is a big one right here. Lord, I'm going to give you my tongue. Because see, some people are real good at um, talking, real good at communicating. Whenever you're real good at communicating, you can be real bad at communicating. Because Satan wants to take what you're good at and turn it around. Your tongue can get you in a whole lot of trouble. Lord, I won't give you my tongue today. I don't want to say anything that's displeasing, that would ever make anybody stumble, hurt anybody. Uh, second, see, um, uh, Ephesians, the 4th chapter, 29th verse says, uh, I don't want any um, corrupt words to proceed from my mouth. But only things that are angry. But Lord, I don't want any corrupt words to proceed out of my mouth. My tongue's yours today. It's not mine, it's yours. Amen? Romans, the 12th chapter. The first verse says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, like I, this is another scripture to back up what I was saying. It's yours. My body's yours. From my head down to my feet. These hands, Lord, they're yours today. Whatever they touch, good's going to come from it. Whatever I touch is going to turn into gold. Don't let these hands touch anything that are displeasing to you. I don't want my feet to carry me anywhere I shouldn't be. I want my feet to carry me straight into your perfect plan, your perfect will, and the purpose that you have for my life. This, I'm yours. I remember um, 11 years ago, and it was in August of so next month, 11 years ago, sitting at my kitchen table, and I said, Lord, I'm done. I'm over it. I can't do it. I don't even want to do it. I'm yours. I 100% completely surrender my life to you. I tap out. I'm done. Whatever you want to do with me, this ain't much here, but it's yours for the taking. I surrender my entire life head to toe. And you see, now I'm a preacher. You better be careful. 
Not in a, a million, gazillion years did I think that would ever come, that that would play out like that. I'm done. And that's what I'm talking about. That's not something you just do uh, once in a lifetime. That's something you do daily. Lord, I'm yours today. Lord, it's a new day. Your mercies are new every day. And I'm yours today, just like I was yesterday. A lot of times we steer off path and we make mistakes and we do things that are outside the will of God. We get in the scene of different things. Guess what? Just come on back. Lord, forgive me for that. I'm yours. Use me. Here I am. Use my hands. Use my feet. Use my money. Use my tongue. Use me. Here I am. So that's what the labor represents. So after we've come through the labor, uh, the labor washed up and... um, you enter into the small tent, like I mentioned a moment ago. And when you enter into this small tent, there's a candlestick. It's got seven candles on it. And we could explain a lot more, about, but ultimately, this just represents the Holy Spirit. The candlestick represents the Holy Spirit. And that's where you're saying, I, I'm inviting you in, Holy Spirit. I want you to work in me. I want you to teach me. I want you to stir me. Holy Spirit, I need some wisdom. I need you to show me. I need you to help me. In other words, you become a pastor of a church, but you've never been the pastor of a church. I need some help. I need you to teach me. I need you to show me because I've never done it before. But the same thing will apply at your job at work. When the boss comes and says, I need you to do this, and you say, okay, you take on the task, and now it's here before you, but you've never done it before. You can Google search a bunch of stuff, and you can call all your friends. Open my eyes to see. I know it's right here in front of me. Give me some wisdom. The Holy Spirit will give it to you. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you. You'll never go the wrong direction. You'll never make a mistake in your entire life. If you always listen to the Holy Spirit, He'll never misguide you. He'll never mislead you. He'll never tell you wrong. If we've ever made a stupid mistake or done something wrong, it wasn't because the Holy Spirit misled us. It's because we misled ourselves or we listened to a different voice because there's two voices out there. There's, the adversary has a voice and he's loud. He's talking in your ear every day trying to steer you off course. But to invite him in, invite him in. And in 2 Timothy, I put this verse on here. I want you to see this. It says, he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual God gave you when I laid my hands on you. I want you to see that part right there. The fan... Um, this is the NLT version. Fan into flames a spiritual gift. Everybody here has got a spiritual gift. Everybody in this room right here, every single body, you've got a spiritual gift. You've got a call on your life. God's called you to do something. Some are going to teach. Some are going to preach. Some are going to say, I'm not good at teaching or preaching, but i got a whole bunch of money here. Let's take this and help somebody out. That's why I'm preaching. Different calls for different things. Some people are called to clean, cook, cut the grass. I was telling somebody this morning, you know what? This air conditioner doesn't pay for itself. When you're eyes on offerings and that that is, is being used to, to turn the lights on and, and, and do all these things, guess what? You're helping push forth the, the, the gospel. You're a part of that. It's like passing the ball to this guy and he slam dunks. Yeah, he scored the goal, but you got the assist. Everybody can't score the goals. We've got to have some people making some good passes. Amen. 
Fanning the flames. And that's what we're doing. When I say going from hilltop to hilltop, feeding on God's Word, that's what it, we're doing. We're, we're coming here on Sunday morning we're going... And we're trying to fan the fire to keep the fire going. Because some people's fires are up and down. I've seen it my whole life. Mine as well. Some Sundays, some weeks, some months, some years, you are on fire. You run through that wall, run out the other side, keep on trucking. You're so excited. You're so full of the Holy Spirit. Can't nothing stop you standing in your way. But then something happens in life. All of a sudden, this big old bonfire is just barely a little bitty flicker. People go up and down. They do. You've done it. Some of you here right now are just little bitty flickers. You'd have to have a magnifying glass just to see if there was a flame. I get it. I've been there. We know what we're doing today. We're fanning the flame. The Holy Spirit speaking to you through a man. He's fanning the flame. He's, up, he, he's on the fire fanning it, trying to put some oxygen on it to get it to ignite. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and t- timid, timidity, but a power and love a sound mind. Amen. We all have a gift and we all have a calling and it is kind of scary, isn't it? But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, power of love and sound mind. And He's given us the Holy Spirit to lead you, guide you into what He's called you to do, into your plan, into your purpose. Amen. So now the next step in this tent is a table of 12 freshly baked loaves of bread. You know, Have you ever smelled that? You know what I'm talking about? Like if you go into a bakery or sometimes at a restaurant or maybe at your house, some fresh loaf of bread, fresh baked loaf of bread, you're like, dude, give me a stick of butter. You know what I'm saying? Stand back. Just leave me alone for a couple hours. There was one preacher that had a problem with eating bread. He'd go by the bakery every morning and get a loaf of bread and he'd carry a stick of butter with him. He, he, he was a big big fella and he had a problem eating too much bread he'd go by the baker get a whole loaf of bread throw a stick of butter in it eat the whole thing the Lord convicted him he quit doing that now he's back in good shape and all but my point is that bread's good fresh and it is good especially when you're on a diet and you go to a restaurant and they walk out there and they slap that big old thing of a loaf of bread and a thing of butter right in front of your face and you can't have any and you know it, it it's tough it's tough. You, you're like, you know, maybe just a little bit. Just a little bite. And next thing you know, you've eaten the whole loaf and asked them to bring you another one. But this bread represents God's Word. Represents God's Word. In the fourth chapter of Matthew, fourth verse, he says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. That's talking about natural bread, loaves of bread, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, which is God's bread, His daily bread. The Word of God, the bread represents the Word of God. So here we are, you're praying, you've come in here and you, you've, uh, we're thankful we're remembering the cross and remembering everything Jesus done, did for you. Now we're surrendering our lives uh, to Him and Holy Spirit lead me and guide me today, all day long, everywhere I go. Like I said, this is, this is all yours, I'm yours. And then now, the Word of God. And you may not know any Word. You may, right in the middle of your prayer, you may need to get your Bible and open it up and read some word. That's why it's good to memorize some words, stay in the word, so you've got some word in your heart. That way you're driving down the road in your car and you're praying. You don't have to open your Bible or try to read your phone while you're going. You just got it in there. And you can pull out some of that bread. You can pull out some of God's promises and tie that into your prayer. Say, I'm standing on this scripture today. 
I'm standing on this scripture today. I'm praying this over my family. I'm praying this over my family. You know what? My brother, my sister, my aunt, and all scripture today. You said we have not if we ask not, and I'm asking you. And I'm standing on this scripture right here. I'm claiming this scripture. Claim it. You know, people make fun and say the name it and claim it group. Well, I don't know about all that, but I know what the Word of God says. It says this belongs to you, everything from the first page to the last page. And I want everything that's in there. I'm not asking for anything that hadn't been provided for me, but I do want to receive everything that has been provided for me. I want all of it. I want my whole entire inheritance. I don't want to leave none on the table. If Jesus went and died for me, I want it. Whatever He died so that I could have, I want it. He died for my healing, I want it. He died so I could be prosperous, I want it. He died so that my marriage could be wonderful, I want it. The blood of Jesus. I I want everything that it accomplished on that cross. I want it all. It's not greedy. He wants you to have it. Amen? Now this is a a little lengthy right here, but I want you to see this real quick. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, talking about putting on the whole armor of God. Finally, my brother, and be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You need this armor. You need the whole thing from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You need to be protected. So that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, that dude, you're, you're, you're mad at him because he's acting like a, a horse's hiney. But there's something pushing it. There's something you can't see. And it's this right here. Our, our back him. He's just surrendering or submitting to the voice of the adversary. And that's why he or she's acting like that. And the battle is against that. Amen? That, that helps you. That helps you deal with people. Let me just stop right there and put it in part. That helps you deal with people. When you deal with somebody that's just a straight up complete total jerk and the first thing you want to do is jack slap them or give them a what for, if you'll just stop and remember, guess what? That guy don't really want to be a jerk. That girl, she don't really want to be a drug addict. That dude don't really want to be a thief. They don't really want to, but there's something else that wants them to. It's the adversary. And they've got their ear listening to their own voice. In other words, if you can look through them and see behind them, Something's powering them. Nobody ever woke up and said, I just want to be a jerk today. I just want to be the most mean, cantankerous person there is out there, and I'm just going to do it all day long. Nobody ever woke up and said that. There's a root. There's something else going on. And it helps you deal with people when you think about that. If you look at it that way, you feel sorry for them. Because you know that the love of God is not shed abroad in their heart or they wouldn't be acting like that. You know Jesus is not there. You know they're not yielding to the Holy Spirit. You know that they haven't given their life to Him and surrendered their head all the way down to their feet to Him. And they wouldn't be acting like that. And they make you feel sorry for them. Because they don't have what I have. They don't have this peace and this joy that I have. It'll help you. Moving forward. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil in the day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. That can't be taken away from you. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of God cannot be taken away from you. 
And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, once again Jesus went to the cross, died, chastisement of your peace was upon Him. It belongs to you. Above all, taking the shield of faith, you are given a deposit of faith when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That can't be taken away from you. When you can use that to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation to get right here. The reason I said those things can't be taken away from you. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So take this Word of God and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. The Word and then the prayer. The Word can be stolen from you. There's parables in the Bible that tells you that He comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. You know what? He wants to steal the Word from you. He wants to kill it, rip it up by the roots. He wants to destroy your life. He don't want you to have a Word to stand on. He don't want you to have that Word in your heart. He'll come to steal the Word from you. That's why you've got to stand on the Word and stand in prayer. And stay in prayer and stand firm. I hope, I hope that makes sense to you. That's why he says, he's reminding you, in other words, the the whole righteousness, that can't be taken away from you. You were a prisoner of sin, but now you're a prisoner of righteousness. You are literally a prisoner of righteousness. You can't lose your righteousness because you know why? The blood of Jesus provided it to you. He's provided you this word. The word can be deposited into your heart as you read it or as you hear uh, in a church service. Satan can come immediately steal the word from you. What What I mean by that? Well, you could come in here and you could hear about healing and say, well, I've never even heard that word before. I could show it to you in Scripture and go, I've never seen that, never heard that. You could say, wow, the Bible really says by His stripes I am healed. You mean He went to the cross and died for my healing? Absolutely. And you could say, well, I receive it right now in the name of Jesus. And you could walk out there and get in your car and halfway home, Satan whisper in your ear and go, you ain't healed. Your back still hurts. Don't your back still hurt? See? If your back still hurts, if you was healed, it wouldn't be hurting. He'll steal that word from you. He'll steal the word from you. That's why you've constantly got to be standing on the word, stay in the word, and be in prayer, and use the word in your prayer. Amen? All right. The next thing you come to here is the altar of incense. And this is something that's burning, it's smoldering. It probably smells like uh, Bath and Body Works. Smells good. Bed, bath, and beyond. It's like, man, that's good stuff. Y'all never been in? They do. They smell pretty good. They smell. They got some pretty good smelling stuff in there. And when your wife comes home and smacks on some good smelling lotion, hey, it's good stuff. Or lights up one of those fifty dollar candles. I mean, dear Lord, but it makes the house smell good. It smells good. It's an incense. Some of you may have some other incense at your house that the cops come over. They'd... <laughs> but it's incense to God. It's something that smells good to Him. So what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? It's worship. It's worship. Our worship is incense to God. Not praise. We did that when we very first came into the outer court. We're praising Him and thanking Him for what He's already done for Him. That's why we call this praise and worship. Because we come in here and praise Him for what He's uh, already done for Him, thanking Him for what He's already done for us. But worship is not uh, what He's done for us, it's who He is. So you praise Him for what He did, you worship Him for who He is. So we're worshiping Him for who He is. And when you worship Him, that's the incense. 
That's the good smelling stuff. That's what he likes to smell. He likes our worship. And, you know, it's kind of like this. Lord, if you, if, if I never had another thing from here on out, it doesn't matter. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're worthy. It's just worshiping Him for who He is. The Psalms, the 95th chapter says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Let us bow down. So sometimes people come to this altar and they bow down on their knees. Sometimes you may bow down on your knees at your own house. I've done it many times. Does that mean every single time that you have to come and get down on your knees to pray? No, you don't always have to do that. But it, basically it's, it's saying you're worthy. I'm humbling myself. In other words, a man that's down on his knees and it's on his face, humbled before God, you can't fall if you're already down. You know what comes before the fall? Pride. In other words, there is no pride here in me, Lord. It's all about you. You're worthy. I'm unworthy. And I'm getting down on my knees. I'm on my face before you, Jesus. You can't fall when you're already down. And sometimes you need to go on down and get on down. Here where the worth is found in the name. So when you're worshiping Him... For who he is. Who's the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. In other words, in your prayer, telling him who he is. That the worth is found in his name. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are my redeemer. You're my salvation. You're my strong tower. You're my refuge. You're my defender. You're my healer. You're the line of the tribe of Judah. You could go on and on. The names of God. You tell Him who He is. He likes you to tell Him who He is because that's how you see Him. You're worshiping Him. I was thinking uh, this morning as I'm sitting at my kitchen table looking up some scriptures and just trying to hear the voice of the Lord, I was thinking about my Father's Day card. So I get this Father's Day card and I have four kids and they've all uh, put a little something in there. But every one of them put a little something, they described who I was to them. It's almost like they're worship. it's like a, you know, they're not worshiping me, but I'm trying to make an example here. Dad, you're this. Dad, you're this. And Dad, you're this. And that's how, that's who I was to them. That's how it is to God. When you're telling Him who He is to you. You're my helper. You're my defender. You're my salvation. You're the Lord of Lord. I'm worshiping you. It's incense burning. It's a good smelling. That's what he likes. No different than you and I. As if you're not a parent, you might not understand. But if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. You, you know, when I read that card, I think. I think I'm winning. Not because I'm anything special, but I know somebody that is, and he's he's helping me be a daddy. That's what I thought. What a sissy. (laughs) Then you enter into the Ark of the Covenant. You finally made it. Here's the Ark of the Covenant, right? We're in the presence of God. And y'all have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
You don't have to worry about this one, though. In the movie, I think it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of those movies when you came before the Ark of the Covenant, your face melted off. Was that that movie? Your face off. This is where you're face to face with God. The Ark of the Covenant. So it's got the cherubim, it's got the angels on each side, and their wings are up. I can only put one wing up right now. Yeah, that one won't go up. Their wings are up. And in between them is the mercy seat. And God dwelled right there. That's where He was. Now we're in the presence of God. We've come to the outer court. we made all these steps. Now we're in the presence of God. Now what? Now what do we do? What do we do now that we're here? Make intercession. See, everything else you had done leading up to here, it was all about you. You're praising Him. You're worshiping Him. You're, 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 you're thanking Him. You're, you're surrendering your life to Him. You're asking about the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. You're standing on the Word. But now we're in His presence making intercession on behalf of other people. Lord Jesus, you, you go in there. You're a lawyer. And you're, you're making your case. You're making your case. In other words, Lord... I'm just, I'm just, I'm just random making stuff up here, Lord. I'm, you know, you're interceding, you're interceding for your mom, Lord. You know my mother; she's a good woman, but I, I don't know if she's saved or not. She hasn't been to church in sixty years, and she's sixty. Not a good indication that she is. And I've not seen any fruits that she saved. Lord, please move in her life. Show me what to say. Send labors across her path. Whatever it takes, Lord. Move, show me, teach me, guide me. Put her in the right place at the right time so the right person can talk to her and, and, and show her you so she'll accept you because I don't want my mama to go to hell because it won't be the same if she ain't in heaven with me. Lord, my daddy, I don't even know who he is anymore or, or maybe he used to be on fire for Jesus. Now he's falling off the wagon and he's hanging around with this group or that, Lord. A group, you're interceding. You're making intercession. Lord, this person don't have enough money to pay their bills, Lord. You're interceding that they'll get a financial, financial blessing or somebody will come into their life or something to change. In other words, you're interceding for somebody else. It's not always about you, believe that or not. But we're making intercession on somebody else's behalf. Amen. So that's what the prayer of Moses looks like. The end. That's all I got. Literally. That's what it looks like. That's the steps. That's just one of many examples in the Bible. But that's a dang good one. That's a really, really darn good one. That you can follow along. It's easy. Just a few steps right here. And you can get into the routine. So when I say the end, that's not the complete and total end. I want to challenge you. And I don't want to say I want to challenge you to start right now and do this the rest of your life every single day. Because that just looks way too big. Doesn't it? But I want to challenge you right here, right now, to do it for 21 days. To say, I'm going to, okay, I'll make that commitment. Brother Red, Righteous Red, whatever you want to call me. I'll make that commitment right now. I'll do it for 21 days. No different than a diet or no different than a exercising or, or doing different, different things in a natural uh, sense. The same thing can happen in spiritual. 21 days for a habit to form or 21 days for a habit to break. And if you'll do it for 21 days, that'll turn into 365 days. But let's just say 21, starting right here today, leading into the month of August, we're going to do something different. Can you make that commitment? And we're going to pray. We're going to wake up in the morning, and we're going to be, we're going to be uh, in, in a state of thanksgiving, just thanking God for what all He's done for us. We're going to be reminded of the cross. 
And we're going to talk about washing, Lord, my whole body, it's yours. It's yours for the taking. And the Holy Spirit lead me and guide me. We're going to stand on God's word. And this, um, the, the altar of incense, worship, worship him for who he is. And then make intercession for others. It's a, it's a six or seven simple steps right here that will change your life. Amen. See, you heard of first responders. Well, prayer should be your first response, not to last resort. But how many people, you ain't got to raise your hand, I'll do it for you. How many people have used prayer as a last resort? You've extinguished all your other resources and there's just nothing left to do. So I guess I'll have to pray. I've done it. And many times things arise in my life right now and my lightning fast mind, I'll try to start figuring out a way out of it. And then after I've tried to figure a way out of it, stressed over it for a few hours, I'll be like, what in the world are you doing? If you knew the way out of it, you wouldn't ever got in it to begin with. But I know somebody that does know the way out of it, and you pray. And you pray. You have not because you ask not. So that's the, that's the challenge. Isn't there like some kind of 21-day challenge? Something, what, what's the 21-day challenge? Somebody eating or something? A fast? Well, I know that I heard of a 21-day challenge of some sort. There's probably... There's some 21-day challenges up at these gyms where they say, come bring me some money, work out for 21 days. If you lose weight, we'll give you money back. And you know they're crossing their fingers going, I hope they don't lose any weight. They want to keep your money. This is, this is totally different. I don't want to keep your money. I don't want you to fail. I want you to succeed. And so for 21 days, let's just make the commitment. You'll see, you'll see things change in your life. Because if it don't, then the Word of God's not true. But to pray for 21 days. Just go ahead and get your day started off praying. And pray every day for 21 days. And pray for others. Make intercession. I pray for you. Pray for me. Pray for each other. Some of you in here know others that are going through things. You know people that are working that are going through things. You know people in your family that if they die today, they're going to hell. Or they got this or that going on. Pray for them. Intercede for them. If you have to get a piece of paper and write down their names or whatever it takes to, to help you remember it, do it. Uh, when I was a little kid uh, with my grandmother up here, and they'd have, a, they'd have pieces of paper with names and names and names and names of people they're praying for for all. They'd go down the list praying for them weekly, daily, because they'd do it when they went home. It wasn't just here at church, but they had these lists of things written down. Hey, make you a list. Write down some things. Then you can find some scriptures to go with what you're believing for and standing for so you'll have a scripture to stand on. Amen. I know some sermons that just excite you, fired up, and you're just, woo, ready to go out and attack the world. I'll just be honest with you, I don't look, you don't look real excited today. <laughs> but this will help you. This leads to some excitement, I can tell you. This will lead to some excitement. So, Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 